Paul and Barnabas were on their first missionary journey to the region of Galatia. Uh, they were in modern-day Turkey, what we would know as modern-day Turkey today. They were driven out of Antioch of Pisidia um, by the Jews that were there. And uh, we sometimes get a little confused as to why uh, the Jews were so against what they were doing, uh, why the, the Jews always chased them out of the places. So they would go to the synagogues. When they went to Antioch and Pisidia, they went to the synagogue. They started preaching there. They were told. They were invited to speak. And so Paul spoke, and uh, they didn't like what he had to say. Uh, you know, lots of them did, but there were many of the Jews did not like what they had to say. And, and so, you know, sometimes we don't have the full picture. Here, here's, here's the picture. You go to the Ford dealer and the salesman is selling you a Ford. And while the salesman is selling you a Ford, another guy comes out and starts to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> You'd be much better off in the Chevy you know, um, you know, because Chevy, you know, this Ford has some problems. They just had a recall. And, and besides that, this guy trying to sell it to you ripped off this old lady last week. You know, and, and you know, so really what you need is a good, reliable Chevy. And so, you know, why don't you think about that? You know, uh, that's what it's like, really, because Paul's in their house sharing that what they're telling you is wrong, and here's the truth. Well, what are they telling them? They're sharing with them. You see, the Jews believed Isaiah 53 was allegorical. You see, they didn't believe that Jesus was um, the center of attention in Isaiah 53. They believed it was the nation of Israel that Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 53. Well, that makes absolutely no sense. Because it's obviously speaking about a person. And you can't just attribute that to the nation of Israel. And so when they were uh, listening to the teaching... Paul was basically explaining to them, look, here is what the scriptures say and here's what it actually means. Today, there are many churches that are out there that allegorize everything in the Bible. Everything is an allegory. We can just make up whatever we want it to say. But if God wanted to just make up Whatever it is that we want, uh, you know, from the Bible, then we're going to miss out on the truth, on the importance. And that means there are many ways to heaven. There isn't just one way to heaven through Jesus Christ that, oh, we can come up with other options because we're not so sure. And that's the problem that they were having with reaching the communities, reaching... Remember, they're not in Jerusalem. They're not in Judea. They're not even in Samaria. 
They're in Galatia. So what is Galatia like? Well, this is like if you lived in Chicago in the 1800s and you came west to Arizona, it was the Wild West back then. It was, you know, there was still... You know, it was untamed. Well, that's how these areas were. Unless you were in a major city where the Romans were brought their control and they were watching over these... Unless you were in one of those Roman cities, um, then you were in the wilderness. In the out and that's where they were. They were going to these outlying areas that were still uncontrolled. There weren't a Roman presence in all of these places that they were going to. So how, what were the Jews doing there? Well, they were dispersed. They, they were dispersed from Jerusalem during uh, the um, diaspora when there was all of the persecution against uh, the church. And so um, against the Jews, and they had fled. They went all over the place to, to get away from the Roman oppression. And so this was before 70 AD at that point that they all left. Many of them left at that point. And so they were in all of these areas. All you needed to have a synagogue were 10 Jews, 10 adult Jewish males living in an area. Now you had a synagogue. Now you required to have a synagogue. Okay, so that's what was going on. I filled you in on all of that. Today's message is titled, Trials Are Expected. And we're going to be picking up in Acts chapter 14, in verse 1, where it says, Now it happened in Iconium. See, remember, they were in Antioch and they were chased out of Antioch by the Jews there. Now they are in Iconium. And that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude of both the Jews and the Greeks believed. So here they went into the synagogue and once again, they find the place. Well, why would you go to synagogues? Well, they're going to reach Jews because Jews already know Isaiah 53. They already know what the Old Testament says. And so they're reaching those guys with the information, telling them the truth so that they, their eyes would be opened. You see, and once they become believers, they already have all of the Old Testament prophecies. They already have all the Old Testament. So it's an easy transition for them to go from you know, following Judaism to becoming a Christian, because then they realize who Jesus truly is. He's the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting for. And so now they can get on the program. Now they can worship the true God through Jesus Christ. And, and it makes sense for them. So that's why they were going to those places, because quicker to establish churches with people who are close to believing, they just don't know the whole truth. And now you're going in and filling in the blank areas so that they get an understanding. At the same time, just like at the car dealership, you're going to offend some people. And so 
there's going to be trials with that. Verse 2, but then the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. The unbelieving Jews, the ones that wouldn't believe the truth, were then stirring up the Gentiles. If you were a Gentile in those days, and the Jews came to you to stir up trouble against anyone, the first thing that the hair on the back of your head should just stand up. Hold on. Jews don't talk to us about anything. They don't like us. They think we're subservient to them. And so if the Jews came to you telling you, oh, we, we've got to cut this off. We've got to stop this. And they were discrediting what Paul and Barnabas were saying. The, the Jews at this point were starting trouble and the Gentiles were falling for it. They were like, oh, look, we're being accepted by the Jews. And, and so it just felt good. Kind of like what goes on in our world today in, in politics and, and every, the people get pulled in and drawn into things because, oh, look, they're talking to us. So, you know, let's join in with what they are saying, even though I don't agree with half of what they're saying, but at least they're talking to us, you know. And I wish they would stop talking to us sometime. And now, when we look at the truth, uh, you know, for ourselves in our current day, we can see there's a problem. There's something wrong here. Well, the Jews and the Gentiles that were unbelieving weren't seeing that. They, they weren't questioning, you know, what is being said by Paul? What, what is he really telling us? Here, is it the truth or is it a lie? Did he just make all of this up? And, you know, there's going to be trouble because of that. Verse 3, Therefore, they stayed a long time there, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So, he's in this place, the Jews and Gentiles are now stirring up trouble. And it says, and they stayed a long time in that place. You know, for me, it's like, you don't want me here? I'm gone. I'll go find some place where people want me. Well, I've tried that. And, um, and now I'm here. So, um, so, but the reality is um, that you have to stay where God plants you, where God puts you. And God brought them to that place for a reason, to reach those people. And it said that when they got there, many believed. So if many believed, well, they needed to feed and ground them and set a foundation for them. If they just left what would the foundation be? Who would then rise up to the top and start leading the people in the things that they needed to know? And so they said, no, we're going to stay until we know that 
these people have the information they need, that they're established. Many people go to church and they never get established in the truth. They go to church because they go here, well, I didn't really like what that pastor had to say. I didn't like what he was wearing. I, I didn't like the music. You know, I didn't like something. They have a problem with something. There is no perfect church out there. And if you go and find the perfect church, you just ruined it. <laughs> Reality. Because we're all imperfect. You know, if, if we're struggling to find what makes us happy, we will be disappointed all the time. It, it's not what makes us happy. It's either it's the truth or not. I don't want to listen to lies. I want to listen to the truth. So that's why I go to the word of God. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you stories to make you feel good about yourself. I'm going to tell you history, his story, so that you can hear what God thinks about what we should know. What God wants us to know, how God wants us to live. He spells it all out for us. I'm, I, I, I write these messages, but I'm just plagiarizing from the word of God. You know, it's not like I don't have good material to work with. I'm, I've got the best material in the world. So this is all easy for me. Paul, I'm sure, felt the same way. I'm going out there and I'm going to just, you know, tell the people the truth. And then it's the work of the Holy Spirit that changes people's hearts, that draws people in, and that makes the difference. I find it interesting here that, Luke added this in there. The Lord was granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. That implies that there were times where the Lord didn't grant signs and wonders to be done. You know, sometimes we get this impression that wherever Paul walked, he would just brushed by someone that had leprosy and, and, and they would be healed. And, and you know, we, we read where, oh, the people would bring out the sick just so that maybe Peter's shadow would pass over them and they would be healed. And we think of it that way, but I don't believe that's accurate. I, I know that Jesus went and he taught in his hometown and he said, but he didn't do miracles there. Because of their unbelief. And it, it just didn't happen. So we always picture that everywhere Jesus went, everyone was healed and everyone, well, in places where they believed. You see, and the first thing that took place here was that Paul taught. He started with the teaching and then the signs and wonders were done. The signs and wonders gave evidence for what he was teaching. If all we were doing was signs and wonders, then people would miss out on the heart of the word of God, on the truth of the word of God. You've seen it on TV where there are worship 
and, and everybody's singing and dancing in the aisles, rolling and, and barking like dogs. And then they come up on stage and then someone hits them in the head and they fall down. If you want to come up here and have me hit you in the head, I will do that. No one's catching you. You're going down. You know, but here's the fact is that that's not biblical. There was, I've never seen anywhere in the Bible that that happens. You know, so we need to learn from the word of God what the truth is so that we can apply it not only to our own lives, but to each other's life. So that we can encourage each other to walk in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and that's what Paul was doing here. He was going out with Barnabas and they were just going from place to place, teaching the good news, leading people into a relationship. Sometimes people don't have the knowledge to have a relationship. They don't even know that they can have a relationship with Jesus. It's, to them, it's foreign. What, what do you mean a relationship with Jesus? You know, he's in heaven. No, he said that when he went to heaven, he was going to send a comforter. That he would be with us always. And so that's where the relationship, the connection with Jesus is all the time. So Paul and Barnabas are there doing everything they can to make sure that they were reaching the people. Verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. So now they find out, okay, they're, they're going to kill us. Might as well go now. We've been here long enough where we've established these guys. And I believe that God knows the time for us to depart from where we are ministering. I believe that God is the one that gives us the wisdom to, okay, you've talked to that person enough. Sometimes you will share the gospel with someone over and over again. They just won't receive it and they get uh, you know, arrogant about the fact that they will not receive. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Just let it go. Because you don't know that the next person that comes along will be the one to share it with them and they will receive it from that person. It, it may be a personal thing and they don't receive it from you. And then they receive it from that person. And then the next thing you know, you see them in church and you're like, Wow. You know, you, you guys, yeah, yeah, this person, they really knew what they were talking about. You, and, and then you're offended. <laughs> Don't be offended. They're, they're saved. Now, this happened to me. I was, I was working out at Space and Naval Warfare Command in San Diego. And I had this Jewish guy that um, I, I really liked him. Really nice guy. And uh, so I saw him all the time and we talked about the guy. He didn't want to hear anything I had to say. You know, and, and always had an argument for everything. And I just kept sharing with them. And, you know, and um, eventually uh, I went on to a different contract. And, but this is right before we moved here. Um, the Billy Graham crusade came 
uh, to San Diego. And Cheryl and I, it happened to be over the weekend of our anniversary. And uh, we said, hey, what better way than to go serve uh, at this? Well, Cheryl had been working at it for months with the church. We were at there, Maranatha Chapel. They were the hub for the Billy Graham crusade there. And so Cheryl was uh, connected. She was the one that was responsible providing all the trailers, making sure all the food was prepared for the, uh, for the uh, people that were uh, going to be um, on stage and everything. So she had this big job. I had the job of driving around in a golf cart and picking up trash. Um, so, uh, so that was a lot of fun. Anyway, um, we got to serve there. And as I was driving around, running around, picking up trash cans and stuff like that, I look and there's Mitch with his wife and daughter. And I'm like, is that Mitch? And so I went up to him and I was really excited about the fact that maybe he came here to get saved. No, he had been saved for a few months now and he was just coming there, you know. He had brought some other people there, you know, to hear. To, and I'm like, praise the Lord. Look at what he's done. How come I didn't get any credit for that? Lord, did I get any, can I, can I go check my closet to see if there's anything up there stored because of what, you know, let, let's not make that, make it that personal. But here, the multitude of the cities divided, the Jews and, and the um, apostles were um, divided there. And there was a violent attempt to abuse them. And to stone them. So they went to Lystra. And they were preaching the gospel there. They were not. They didn't. Notice they didn't go to the synagogue. They were just preaching the gospel there. And it may be. One of two things. There wasn't a synagogue there. Or they just said we're tired. Of going to the synagogue. I don't know. But we're not told that they went to the synagogue. They preached the gospel there. They just went and started preaching there in uh, Lystra. We need to remember who was left behind. Those people that they left behind were just months in their relationship with Jesus. So, you know, that was going to have to be a work of the Holy Spirit. But they stayed there as long as they could, uh, we're told. Then in verse 8, It says, then in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. So here's a lame man, and we've seen lame men healed before, like by Peter outside the gate, beautiful, when he reached down and pulled the guy up and, and he got up. Here, this is a lame man. When you, you have someone that was from birth lame, can you imagine what their legs looked like? They were twigs. There was no muscle. You know, they, they didn't ever exercise those muscles to where there were muscles there. So if he's lame from birth, he's sitting there. There wasn't a lot of hope uh, for him ever walking. This man heard Paul speaking. And Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. Now, here, 
Paul is looking down at him and he saw he had faith to be healed. What does that look like? Don't know. But I believe that those are Holy Spirit eyes. That's when the Holy Spirit shows you something. That guy. Look at him. Look at him. Stare. He has faith to be healed. He has faith that something good can come out of this. And Paul took a chance. He is telling a man. He, he didn't tell him. Hey. Go to Spooner. Um, they physical therapy. Great physical therapist. Go there and they'll start working on your legs and you're going to be able to walk in six months. He didn't tell them that. He said, stand up and walk. And uh, it, it says that he leaped and walked. He got up. And he put it into action. He leaped. That's a miracle. You see, because those legs hadn't been used before. Here's the second miracle. He knew how to use them. He had the faith to get up. But I believe Paul had even more faith. Because Paul was telling a lame man to get up and walk. Knowing that his legs looked the way they did. That they were just twigs. And Paul had faith. Because if he told him to get up and walk and he couldn't. You remember how Peter with, with the lame man outside the gate beautiful. He reached down and he pulled him up. Paul didn't do that. Paul told him to get up. If he didn't get up. That would have been detrimental to his ministry. He would have been telling someone to do something that couldn't be done. And that would have thrown him out of balance, I think, for the rest of, of the time that he was there. But he had faith. And the man had faith. And the man got up. And I don't know what it is, but every time these lame people, they, they start leaping. They're like, woohoo, and, they, and they're jumping in the air and everything, and they're, and they're walking around. That's putting their, their faith into action. And that's the same for us. When we have faith in God, when we have faith in the scriptures, we put faith into action when we believe what it says and then apply it to our lives. And then people were seeing this lame man jumping up and down and walking around. But with us, when we put our faith into action, people get to see Jesus Christ. They get to see who Jesus truly is. Not because they're looking at me and saying, that guy looks like Jesus. Not like that. But they're looking and saying, there's something different about you and me. There's something different. What is it? And we're supposed to be prepared to give them an answer for the hope that lies within. Because it comes from who we believe in. Not what we believe, but who. And he is the one that changes our lives. So 
we're told that it was just Paul teaching and this man was listening intently. Uh, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. He was hearing the word of God and he believed because he was hearing it. And, and that's how Paul was able to minister to him was because the guy was listening in the first place. And uh, people wanted to see a miracle. They, they want to see what was done. What, you know, how did this happen? And now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And then the priest of Zeus whose temple was in the front of the city brought oxen and garlands to the gate intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. This still happens today. Man, a preacher goes out there, preaches a good message, something happens, someone gets healed. The next thing you know, he's like on the front page and everybody is supposed to be paying attention to him because he has all the answers. And if you ever watch a pastor like that, that seems to be on the front of the news all the time and he's got all the answers and stuff like that, shut off the TV. Step away. Because... It's not him. It's Jesus. You see, if I ever say anything to you that registers, that you say, wow, that's powerful. That's making a difference in my life. If I pray for you and you get healed of something, believe me, it's not me. It's Jesus. I don't have the gift of healing. And if I pray for you and you're healed, you have the gift of healing. I don't have it. I just prayed for you and Jesus healed you or whoever is healed. He's the one that's doing the work. So they get caught up in the fact that, oh my goodness, they just healed this lame man. We know that guy. We've seen he's been lame since birth. And now all of a sudden he's standing up and leaping around. That's it. You know, they had a temple to Zeus. Hermes was the messenger of the gods. So he was always the guy to bring God's message. That's, you know, in Greek mythology and everything. And so, so that's why they were worshiping. You know, Barnabas must have looked like, you know, uh, the authority. And, and Paul was the one talking all the time. So, you know, they were ready to worship them. Now, it says that they were, they were talking about this in the Lyconian language. I'm sure that Paul and Barnabas did not understand Lyconian. And so they were like, what's going on? You know, what's happening here? But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul heard this, so someone explained it to them. Oh, we're going to worship to you because of the fact that you did this. So when someone translated it for them, and they heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitudes, crying out and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. 
Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. So here, they tear their clothes. That's not to show, look, we have skin underneath. It's a sign that Jews do when there's blasphemy. Whenever there's blasphemy, they tear their clothing, you know, to indicate there's blasphemy. And that's what they were doing. And because the blasphemy is, you're calling me a god, is basically the idea there that was happening. And they were saying, look, we're, we're, we're men just like you. These people were trying to elevate them to God status. That happens in our world today. You know, people that are polished, you know, in multi-thousand dollar suits, get out in front of a crowd. They present well. They went to Toastmasters and, and they're able to deliver a speech and they do, and they know how to tickle your ears. They know how to say things that make you feel good about yourself. And when you hear people say something, when, when you meet someone and you say, oh, you know what? I've heard so much about you. You are a wonderful person. Everything I hear about you is good. And so on. you're like, oh, that's wonderful, you know, I, I really, I like this guy, you know. Well, you don't like them because you know them. You like them because they're saying good things about you. And that's the problem with many pastors, leaders, TEDx speakers. You know, they are telling you things you want to hear and they're saying it in such a sweet way that it draws you in and it, it attracts you. Now, you know what? The gospel offends also. It cuts to the heart. It, it cuts out the junk in our lives. When, when we get offended by the gospel, it, it's a good thing. When the word of God causes you to stumble because you realize, hold on, I'm not doing this. I'm not living up to what this says. It, when it causes you to get to that point, that's a good thing. We need to get to that point where we can say, I can't do it without him. I, I can't live this life without him. I need the Lord to go through the struggles that I'm going through. And when we do that, when we get to that point and we give up, that's when he does his greatest work. That's when we find answers for the problems that we've been looking for. You know where I find most of the answers for the problem I'm looking for? This is a secret. Um, so for those of you online and watching, you know, keep this quiet. In the mirror. I go in the mirror, I look, and I say, that, <laughs> there's my problem. It's me. I'm the one that generally causes most of my problems. 
And when I see more of me and less of him, it's even worse. And so there really isn't a great time to um, say, okay, well, uh, obviously I'm doing really well. Let me look in the mirror. Oh, yeah, look, I'm doing so well. Um, no, it's when someone else sees what God is doing and decides to walk with him, decides to, you know, attach themselves to the Lord through Jesus Christ. When that happens, then it's like, okay, I didn't have anything to do with that. Paul and Barnabas didn't take any credit. They didn't want to be worshipped. They were just like, no, this isn't right. And they did everything they could to say, it isn't us. You know, we're just like you, please don't do this anymore. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So they went, they came from Antioch. All the way here to Lystra to, you know, stir up trouble. They didn't take the bullet train, the bullet camel, the bullet donkey. It's 90 miles to get from one place to the other. So they traveled for days to come there to stir up trouble against Paul and Barnabas. And they did. They stirred up the trouble. All they have to do, see, you don't have to discredit the message. You just have to discredit the messenger. And that's what they did. They discredited him to the point where they were worshiping him one day and they were going to sacrifice to him one day. The next day, they're dragging him out of the city, stoning him to death. Believe me, they knew what death was. They knew how to identify a dead person. And they stoned him to the point where he was dead. Or at least they thought so. <clears throat> and then, you know, what, what happens? His disciples, his people, remember these are new believers. The, these aren't people that have been with him all this time. Seeing the miracles working with. These are new believers. You know what? When your leader gets stoned to death, remember they, they all fled when Jesus was on the cross. There was only a handful of his disciples, you know, and there was Mary, 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 and, and Joanna, and, and John was there at the foot of the cross, but everyone else had spread. So, you know, here you would think these guys heard that Paul was stoned to death, uh, you know, I'm going to hang out here in the closet for a while. No, they go out there and probably praying for him at this point. And Paul gets back up. A lame man, lame from birth, gets up and starts leaping and walking around. Next thing you know, a stoned man that's dead gets back up and goes 
back into the city. What are you thinking, Paul, going back into the city where they just stoned you? Can you imagine if one of those guys that had stoned him were like, we got him. What's he doing walking in here? We just stoned him to death. Did he look like he had just been stoned to death? Did he have bruises and bleeding? and so? I don't know. All I know was he was able to walk back into the city. And then the next day he took off and left. Can you imagine now these guys from Antioch that, that came and, and watched him get stoned and everything? They were like, woohoo, we did it. We got rid of this guy. And they're on their way home. They don't even know that Paul got up and went back and he's all good now. He's there with his friends. And when they had preached the God, so it says that, um, let me see, verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered round, he rose up, went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And so when they had preached the gospel to that city, to Derby, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Hold on. They went to Derby, made many disciples, and now he's going back to Lystra. He must have enjoyed being stoned. So here he is going back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. He went back to all of the cities that they had just been chased out of. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. That's the message for us today. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. When we enter the kingdom of God, it will be after many tribulations that we go through in our lives. If you don't have any tribulation in your life, any trials whatsoever, praise the Lord. But you have to ask yourself, why not? You know, I mean, we all, even unbelievers experience trial and tribulations. Sickness, financial issues, family problems. All of us experience different trials and tribulations. And Paul says, we're going to have to go many tribulations before we enter into the kingdom of God. Here's the good news. Once we enter the kingdom of God, there will be no more trials or tribulations. Yes. Woohoo. Right? Because that's our hope. Our hope isn't, I hope I make it. I, I, I hope I get into heaven. That isn't what that hope means. The hope means is that we know that that's what's going to happen. Our hope, our security is in that. And so can't wait to get there. You know, can't wait for that to happen. But my hope is in Jesus Christ and in what he did. 
So he did everything that I needed to get access to eternity. He did it all. Do you know when you enter eternity? Do you know the day? It's the day you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because even though you will go through trials and tribulations on this earth, you have already been accepted as a son or daughter of the living God. And you enter into eternity on that day because you will never experience death. The, the spiritual death. Your body may experience death, but you will never experience spiritual death. You will never experience the separation from God. And that's where our hope is in that, right? Woohoo! Good news, right? And it's going to happen. So, looking forward to that. In the meantime, we're stuck here. So, when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So, they went to these places and they raised up elders. They appointed elders in these Elders, okay, let me see. How long have you been a believer? Two months? Okay, how long have you been? You know, six weeks? All right, you're the elder. <laughs> you know? I don't know how. This is another one of those Holy Spirit God things, you know? Uh, we know who the elders are because they raise to the top themselves. I have seen people that have been Christians for 30 years and not reach the status of elder. And then I've seen people that have been Christians for six months who have fully raised up to that. Now, I wouldn't make someone six months an elder because it says don't too quickly, you know, elevate someone to a position of leader until they have had time because um, basically it'll go to their head. Look what happened to Satan, you know, you got so prideful that he tried to become God. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch. This is the Antioch in Syria, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they have completed. And now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Well, that's good news. They got back to where they were going. They finally got to the point where, okay, we can now head home. They went through all the cities that they had preached in. And then they got back to Antioch where they were originally um, sent from. They were commanded, commended to do this ministry. This was the first missionary trip. It, now it's over. But the same way, as they were heading back through the churches, they raised up elders and commended them to the Lord. You see, and that's the important part. When someone is raised up in a church, they need to be commended and motivated by God, not through a pastor, 
through other people, hey, you know what? You're a really good speaker. You should go up there and you should be speaking. You should be the one teaching. Or you really have a, a good knowledge of the word of God. You should be the... It's God. God is the one who ordains. I have a certificate of ordination that I don't carry with me. I don't go showing it off. I, you don't even know the people that ordain me. You won't look, oh, that person ordained you? Oh, that's wonderful. No, it's God that ordains. And he is the one that raises up people to serve him. And no matter what capacity he raises up, that's how you, you just do whatever he says. So we close um, following the examples of Paul and Barnabas. We can do that in our lives today. First, we begin by sharing the gospel with unbelievers, with people that don't know Jesus. We tell them who Jesus is, what Jesus did for them, how much Jesus loves them, and how they can be saved by Jesus. That's the simplest thing that we can do. It's all about Jesus. But what about the signs and wonders? What about that? How do we do that? Well, the first sign and wonder, the most important sign and wonder that you can do is showing people that Jesus changed your life. Here's the sign and wonder. Jesus take, took me and he created the person that you see today. People actually like me. They tell me, at least. Uh, they, they, you know... And, and they say, oh, well, he's a, if you knew me before, you would have a different opinion. Now, I'm not saying that you wouldn't like me now, but you would say, you've changed. You know, you went from, I remember you, and I can't believe that you're now standing in front of people telling them about Jesus. You know, and... and that's because of the Holy Spirit. That's not because of me. Because that wouldn't be something that I would, you know, uh, try to promote. I, I wouldn't, I'm not doing this to promote myself. Uh, it, it, you know, my, my finances are not being improved because I'm a pastor in, in a church. My spiritual life has improved greatly. Because I get to study the word of God so I can share with you the good news. And, you know, while you think, hey, he's just, you know, sharing what he knows. A lot of what I teach, I'm relearning every day that I study to prepare this. I'm, I'm, it's just God speaking to me saying, oh, by the way, this isn't for them. This one's for you. And, uh, and that's the real blessing in, in being a pastor here. Finally, we can be sure that there's something that's true. Trials are expected. When I look back over the last five years of my life, uh, you know, if Cheryl was here, she would tell you, you know, uh, we went through cancer that Cheryl had and then we went through our house being burned down and then Cheryl had more um, different types of surgeries that she had to have 
Uh, we went through lots of different struggles with all of that. You see, the Lord knows uh, if he really wants uh, to, if the enemy wants to get to me, he's going to have to go through her to get to me. If you make my wife miserable, you make my life miserable. And so that's what the enemy did. And uh, the Lord has strengthened us through every moment of it. And, and now we look and say, okay, well, I, I'm not asking for more, but I know that the Lord can get us through this. So we're going to get trials and tribulations. It happens to everyone. Another house just burned down on Centipede the other night. It got hit by lightning and burned down. And, you know, I, and now I have compassion for those people. They weren't home. They weren't home. They were snowbirds and, and it was their second house. And so everything. So, but it was like I have compassion for them, you know, because I've experienced that. And, and so, you know, trials, they can be used to reach people so that we can share the good news. Paul suffered many trials. The apostles were all martyred except for John. And Jesus suffered the ultimate persecution. And so if the master is persecuted, why would the servant expect any better? Don't let the trial overwhelm you when it comes. Remember that Jesus has overcome the world. And that's where we need to place our hope. Because he's coming soon and very soon. Amen.